Hello. Hello. And welcome to another episode of Tacos and Tequila. I'm Peyton. I'm Sydney. And we have a ghostly story for you today. (laughs) That was a good word. I was trying to look up actually a synonym for ghostly, but I think they were all kind of dark. And I feel like that was like a little more lighthearted. Although I think... I think this story, not saying that the story and, like, this place is very lighthearted. I'm just saying I don't think it's, like, straight up evil and should be using some some dark words. That's true. That's very true. <laughs> well, uh, anything to kind of talk about before we dive in? I don't think so. No, I don't think so. I know we're recording in advance, so, like, it'll be a little bit before this comes out. But, like, I know right now, like, what's going on, uh, the biggest, like, I think story we would probably talk about is, I don't know if you saw this, Sid, but, like, Brian, was it Laundry? <laughs> Landry's? Um, no yes. Yes. Yeah, so I've been, like, reading and following that, and, like, that's super fucked up. Uh, but I think that's, like, the only thing that, like, true crime news worth, like, talking about right now. Not worth talking about. There's a lot going on that I think you and I feel comfortable talking about. Yeah, that's, like, just, like, one of the biggest things, I think, that's yeah. hit the news recently. Absolutely. And um, I think that's really it. <laughs> I agree. I think so, too. <laughs> okay. Well, and if we have any other updates to any other stories or there's any true crime stories you see that you want us to talk about in our opinions, feel free to message us because we'll definitely talk about other stories. We just try to cover only the big ones, especially ones like invested in things we've talked about perhaps before or we obsess over. (laughs) Agreed. Well, Well, if there's nothing else, I guess I will dive right into it. We have talked about a variety of places said to be haunted so far on this podcast. Some castles or cemeteries, some hotels or restaurants. But today we actually talk about a first, a haunted island. Not only that, it is known as Michigan's most haunted location, definitely Michigan's most haunted island. And the location is very remote. Making the trip is kind of a one way in, one way out. And if you stay, they definitely recommend not staying too long, or you might hear or see some things you can't truly explain. Today, we talk about South Manitou Island. It's part of an island chain in Lake Michigan. It extends just north to the Straits of Mackinac, like the Straits of Mackinac. But like looking at a map, (laughs) it's a little northwest i would say um (laughs) meanwhile every michigander there is looking at their hand as a mitten like me while i was thinking of it (laughs) you always tell me to do that and i never remember fun fact (laughs) fun fact i was just arguing with my mom a couple weeks or yeah last week because she was trying to tell me where detroit was on her hand and i was like mom you're way too high up and she's like, no, I'm not. And so then I asked her friends, 
that were oh with us God. and they were like no maria you're wrong and i was like see <laughs> you moved to florida for 10 years you forget <laughs> you forget where detroit is on your hand this is basic knowledge <laughs> So this location, this island, is roughly 16 miles off, 16 miles offshore from Leelanau Peninsula, uh, roughly over eight miles of land. The island has unique sand formations, so they're like sand dunes, pebble beaches, and a grove of old white cedar trees that can actually date back over 500 years. There is a visitor center and a museum in the village, as well as a lighthouse, campgrounds, and a host of ghost towns. <laughs> there are many shipwreck sites that can also be visited. These sites date back from 1835 all the way up to 1960. And in the, I think, late 80s, it was actually maybe in the 90s, but it was actually declared a historic site and no no longer could you pass over and like sail over the Manitou Passage um, like they used to, which I'm about to get into, because they were trying to preserve these shipwrecks, actually, which is really interesting. The Manitou Passage is a seven mile wide passage between the island and Sleeping Bear Dunes, which is the city in Michigan along the west coast of Michigan. It was actually a shortcut for steamships in the 1800s from the Straits of Mackinac and all the way to Chicago. And it was actually notoriously known as the most dangerous passage on the Great Lakes. Very wild <laughs> because uh, up off the Upper Peninsula, um, Lake Superior also has an insane amount of shipwrecks. Uh, but this was the most dangerous passage, apparently. Claims of at least 50 known shipwrecks are at the bottom of this passageway. And one you can actually easily see that's still kind of sitting above ground. <laughs> uh, so did you see pictures of that shipwreck by chance? Yes, it looks like it's, it's super weird. It's super weird and very creepy. We'll definitely include pictures and I'll be talking about it again here shortly, but I just had to bring it up. Yeah, it's really, it's really... I don't know what word I want to use here. It's just not like your typical, you know, you picture the clear water and then you can see the shipwreck like underneath and it's just like above ground. And like, not only that, but like I saw a picture kind of up close and it literally. <laughs> it's creepy. Did you ever see the movie Ghost Ship? Yes. Yes. That's a great That's movie. That's I feel like. <laughs> I love that movie. I was it's just a good movie. trying to figure out how to watch it. <laughs> uh, but that's what I feel like. I feel like approaching that boat or like that ship out there is like you're approaching the ghost ship and like mm -hmm. everything will come to life if you go on board like it's creepy looking yep that is very true so i mentioned ghost towns there are two prominent ghost towns on the island the original village which was known as burton's wharf and the south manitou island village the island was originally settled in the 1830s by william burton with the purpose of providing cordwood to field the steamships in the Great Lakes as they passed. There was a dock built in the middle of the crescent-shaped bay on the eastern side of the island, which had a huge benefit of a natural deep water harbor 
This is the only of its kind at that time anywhere between Chicago all the way to Buffalo, New York. So that's pretty impressive, actually. In 1847, the village included the wharf, or the place for ships to load and unload, a house, a blacksmith shop, a grocery store, a barn, and a wooden tamarack railroad track extending from the dock inland to haul the wood for the steamships. The island's first post office was opened in 1870 and was actually here, opened here in the wharf, too. You can actually, to this day, still see the remains of the old dock pilings near the beach, as well as the remains of the old general store. Many graves of the early residents also still exist and are still marked in this area. Then there is the spot picked for the lighthouse on the island, which was on the southeastern shore, in order to mark the dangerous straits easily. Originally, this lighthouse was developed as its own separate entity, which most lighthouses were at the time. If, have you ever visited a lighthouse, Sid? Yes. So we have one in Kenosha. And I actually, like, when I was younger, like, got to climb up to the top of it. Okay. And you know, it's like kind of sits and there's like nothing around it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, might be a little, like, couple buildings, but it, originally when it was formed, it was probably, like, its own little yeah, they're village. Usually, like, <laughs> yeah, they're usually, like, on, like, their, like, a little hill, and, like, that's, like, yeah. the only thing there. Yeah, we, um, we visited one in Lake Superior, we visited one in Florida, like, so we've mm-hmm. seen a couple, and that's literally how it is, and it's <laughs> kind of eerie, but it makes sense, it, no distractions, your goal as a lighthouse keeper is just to tend to the lighthouse. Yep, that's true. Uh, but in this situation, <laughs> later on, the life-saving station complex was also opened nearby to the lighthouse, actually opened in 1901. Since it required easy launching and being close to the most dangerous parts of the passage, it was smartest to put it right by the lighthouse. Fun fact, in 1915, that would actually become a part of the U.S. Coast Guard station. So <laughs> it definitely became a little a little hopping in that area. <laughs> In 1923, the logging operations ended and the dock fell apart in Burton's Wharf. At this time, the general store had moved near the life-saving station, and that kind of marked the beginning of the shift in this small community on the island. This area by the lighthouse is still where the ferry arrives to this day. That that ferry is the one way in and out to take people and visitors to the island. Generally, (laughs) I did read a story of them using a helicopter, but generally, (laughs) it's only the ferry. Do you know, like, how far, or did you already say this, like, approximately how far it is from, like, the actual land? Like, can Uh, you swim there? 16 miles. 16 miles. Okay, so it is a little far. So, I'm sure other people could boat to the island, but I can imagine there'd be a hard time docking. And I don't know necessarily if that's something you'd want to risk because, like I said, that passage Mm -hmm. is uh, pretty protected. And also, who knows what you'll hit and not be prepared for. That's true. So it's probably not recommended to um, get yourself there anyway. Correct. Any other way than the ferry. 
Correct. The life-saving station only provided housing for single servicemen. So village houses provided a place for crew and families to live year-round there. This and the lighthouse keeping job were like the two main jobs <laughs> on the island. So odds are if someone was a resident and lived on this island and didn't leave the island, that's how they made their living or someone in their family did. Most of those homes that pro provided a space for crew and families were actually built in 1908 to 1920. So definitely some older homes. <laughs> At the end of the logging era, it became home to family farms as well. In 1918, what is now Michigan State University, but at the time was called the Michigan Agricultural College, they actually chose the island as a site to grow rose and rye seed. So basically they were helping pay farmers to grow this rye seed. And then it was also a hotspot for beans and peas, I guess. However, as roads developed on the mainland and ship traffic to the island decreased, eventually ending altogether, to be honest, farming on the island became too expensive to maintain and families would have to leave. At this point, they can't easily, you know, sell their goods to passing ships or send it off passing ships to be sold somewhere else. In 1958, the life-saving station would be officially closed, ending a major source of work for the remaining residents on the island. Eventually, this would become the ranger station. It is close to the public, and it is still used as the ranger station today. On this part of the island is another cemetery <laughs> of those who lived and died on the island. It was also used for any victims who died in a shipwreck and would wash ashore. So... That puts two separate cemeteries here on this eight-square-mile island. The remnants of both these ghost towns are very much apparent and very much creepy to almost anyone who's visited. Although I will say I read reports about it being peaceful to visit. <laughs> and I can't imagine you being at peace, like, looking at all this creepy stuff. <laughs> I That's also saw me. something that used a word that I was like, mm, I don't... I don't know if that's the right one. <laughs> I don't think it was peaceful, but I think it was, like, something about being, like, a happy place to visit or something. And I was like, I don't think there's anything happy about this. It's a little dark. Don't get me wrong. I totally want to visit only in yeah. the day. I will not be someone that camps overnight here. <laughs> not <I'm> like, interested. <laughs> uh, but, and, like, the pictures are really pretty. Like, I'm just clarifying. It looks very pretty. But... You also see, like, <laughs> crosses in the cemetery that are, you know, 200 years old. <laughs> and you yeah. see these, like, remnants of buildings and know that, like, especially knowing stories, it gets creepy. There are, like, abandoned campgrounds scattered throughout the island. <laughs> and, like I said, you can stay overnight. Like, people camp there. But there's only one way in and out, and that is the ferry. To paint a picture as well, I, I think, Sid, we've talked about this maybe. We've talked about Mackinac Island, right? Yes, at some point. Okay. So Mackinac Island is like a hotbed destination spot for especially Michigan tourists, but really anyone in the summer 
visiting Michigan. I, fun fact, have never been, but we're <laughs> planning a trip on hopefully going next month. And it's about not even four square miles. <laughs> so this island, South Manitou Island, is more than double the size of Mackinac Island. There's literally none of the development. Mackinac Island has, <laughs> you know, upwards of 10, 15 hotels, resorts on the island. There are residents that live there year round. There is a population of zero on this island. It is uninhabited unless you are a ranger stationed at the station. And we'll get to that in a little bit, but it doesn't sound like they stay very long and they're only there in the summers. <laughs> so now I, I'm sure I gave the history and the background. We'll kind of get into like the sightings, the ghost stories, the tales, legends, all that stuff. In the 1800s, the U.S. dealt with three different waves of cholera. And according to legends, multiple ships had to stop in the island full of cholera-stricken passengers to either bury their dead or try to offload them before it got the rest of the crew sick. So basically they had no other chance or choice but to, like, bury them in a mass grave and help get rid of they're dead. I don't like that. Well, you're not going to like it even more, Sid, because according to reports and legends, <laughs> it wasn't just the dead they buried. They also buried the ones that were very sick and half alive. <gasps> no. That's it creepy. Is, yes. It is said that the spirits of those buried alive can still be heard at night on the island. And folklore also claims that on the anniversaries of their death, the victims rise and roam the island. Don't have those dates. This is why you will not catch me dead camping overnight. <laughs> oh, my God. So, why didn't they just, like, leave them there? So, because the population was so small on the island, the island... Residents also had to do this or else they would also die and get sick. And they didn't want to wipe out their little population on the island. That's insane. Like, I guess I'm just picturing, like, because I don't feel like they're like, yeah, it's fine. Just bury me. It'll be okay. I feel like they'd be, like, fighting or, like, you know, not necessarily fighting because they're sick, but, like, out of it. Unless they, like, drugged them beforehand or something, which is also I was going to say, the reports up. I saw are that these people were definitely, like, one foot out the door. Like, they were on their deathbed. They were very sick. So, I'm sure it wasn't, like, much of a fight. Um, you still are, like, somewhat aware, though. Correct. And the one report I saw was it was roughly about 20 people that were either dead or half dead. That they buried in a mass grave. That's fucked up, man. Not only that, this mass grave is located outside of the main first cemetery. So it's not even in the cemetery. It was, like, just north of that and, like, the dock. So, supposedly. It's wild. Uh, then you get to the Cedar Forest, which I said is, you know, very lovely. There's a lot of hiking trails, beautiful scenery. I mean, these trees are 500 plus years old and they're giant and unscathed, untouched by, you know, humans and society. Uh, but when people hike through them, they hear disembodied voices and ghostly whispers. 
So seems a bit creepy to me. <laughs> and Very the creepy. reports of that were like, that's day or night. Like you could hear those at any time, point in time of the day. So then we get to the shipwrecks. And I had mentioned the one above water. Just off one of the coasts is the location of the SS Francisco Morazan. I hope I said that right. (laughs) I practiced. That went out the window. (laughs) But the shipwreck for that ship. Uh, That's the one I was talking about that you can see above ground. And supposedly a young boy died there in the 60s. Basically, it's extra haunted on that shoreline now, too. The boy was Ronald Riker. He was known as Ronnie. And he and his family were actually some of the last residents to call the island home. He lived there with his parents and his two older brothers. In 1967, at the age of 16, Ronnie was exploring the half-sunken ship, although it looks more like it's kind of just sitting on top of water, (laughs) with friends when he mysteriously drowned and died. Ronnie was then buried in the cemetery nearby, and ever since he was buried, he has been spotted all over the island by visitors. There have definitely been lots of reports by people of seeing Ronnie's description throughout the island wandering around. He's like one of the more famous ghosts on the island, I should say. Some island visitors also claim to hear ghostly wails, especially on stormy nights or days when they're camping. Keep in mind, one of the one of the articles I read was more of like a blog post, and that person had camped overnight one time while visiting the island, and the storms were so bad and the weather was so bad that the ferry could not make it at the end of the day to pick up or drop off or in the morning to pick up or drop off. And so, I mean, you could want to leave, but <laughs> the water's so choppy. You, you kind of have no option. Isn't that creepy? Like you're just stuck there. Yeah. I don't, I don't like that. Like, cause it's one of those things like you don't have another option. It's not like you could just, Oh, I'm just going to rent a car. Or, like, you know, we have other ways to get out of situations. Like, oh, I missed my my ferry. I'll just get an Uber or whatever. Like, you really don't have an option. So you're just kind of stuck there. Like, that's just the beginning of a horror film. Correct. I'm going to be real honest. I don't even like driving to events with people. I would rather drive myself <laughs> so yeah, I can leave yeah. when I want to leave. So I'm not stuck there. So I don't love this. <laughs> yeah, I don't like that. Then moving on to the lighthouse. We got another good story here for the lighthouse, uh, which is also said to be haunted by former keepers who have remained. Uh, One keeper in particular, Aaron Sheridan. In the late 1800s, Aaron and his wife, Julia, as well as their infant baby, were traveling to the mainland by rowboat. Uh, His five other children were still in the lighthouse. It was the middle of winter. It's presumed something was probably wrong with the baby if they were traveling to the mainland in the winter. uh, And they were probably having the baby checked out. The boat hit what is presumed to be either an iceberg of sorts 
are very rough, choppy waters, and it toppled over. All three people, Aaron, his wife Julia, and their infant child died, leaving the five other children orphaned until their family from out of state could come get them. So, like I said, one of the many ghosts who are said to haunt the island, specifically the lighthouse, is Aaron and his wife. None of the three bodies ever washed ashore, only some of their belongings. Aaron's coat made it. Uh, his lightkeeper stopwatch was found, you know, decades later on the beach. But nothing of their bodies ever came to shore. There is another report of a woman who was seen walking along the beach near the old dock at night carrying a lantern. This woman was said to have lived on the island and her husband had left to sail to the mainland but never returned. This woman, when alive, would dress in her nicest dress at night and walk down to the dock to wait for him. Four years she did this every night. And then one day, she was found dead at the beach. It is believed her ghost also now wanders the beach, waiting for her lover to return home to her. So the woman that they see every night on the beach with a lantern is a ghost. (laughs) No, thank you. (laughs) Finally, uh, there are lots of reports of the rangers stationed here not being able to stay on the island too long. (laughs) One story claims a ranger actually pulled his gun out and demanded to leave the island that night, stating the ghosts were tormenting him and he had to leave. Obviously, he was, like, not mentally and medically well at this point. So that's when I said they used the helicopter. (laughs) And the Coast Guard sent the helicopter to come airlift him. By all accounts, I've read that this ranger is doing great. Got off the island, continued his career. No mental health issues there. Uh, But definitely something on the island spooked him, and he was ready to get the fuck off of it. During the summer, the rangers also have housing on the island, so it kind of sort of checks out because you got to think they're living there. Other rangers claim that they hear footsteps, doors slamming, and whispers in buildings because they live there throughout the summer for short periods of time, as well as they give daily lighthouse tours, so they're in the lighthouse every day, and they're, you know, roaming and making sure no one's getting into trouble when they're There are visitors there. Definitely spooky in my book, especially if these, like, rangers are, like, (laughs) also verifying these stories. That is what puts me over the edge, in my opinion. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if I could, like, live there or stay there for a long period of time. Yeah. Like that. Like where they're, they're stationed. Because like, when they're stationed like that, they're probably there for like a, at least a week or two. Like a little while. I mean, and even at most it's two to three months. But I don't think they would station anywhere there so remote for that long by themselves. Yeah. When there are reports of people <laughs> going a little crazy. Maybe they rotate them. That's what I was thinking. A week at a time. <laughs> they probably like rotate them for... X amount because like obviously they'd need people all summer and they probably wouldn't want you know it to be 15 different people or whatever it'd be like the same like three four people just getting rotated out or something I would agree 
Well, that's all I got to this spooky island. Do you have anything to add? Any stories you found? No, I didn't have any extra stories, but I thought it was really interesting, like, that whole thing with the passage and, like, it being, like, one of the most deadly sections in Lake Michigan because I'd never heard of it. Not saying, like, I know a ton about Lake Michigan, but you'd think that it would be more well-known. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. And, like, I think, uh, like I mentioned, Lake Superior, I feel like there's this point in Lake Superior, like, right at the tip of the Upper Peninsula, that's, like, known to be so dangerous. I mean, I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but, like, the shipwreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, so that's, like, a, a huge, famous shipwreck here in Michigan, and obviously there are hundreds in the Great Lakes. But that all happened off Lake Superior. Like, I literally went to the Shipwreck Museum off Lake Superior. So it's so wild because I had never heard of this place and never even knew it existed. Honestly, I was reading an article about, like, haunted places in states. And I was like, oh, let me see what Michigan's is. And it mentioned this island. And I was like, I've never heard of this island. (laughs) That's Uh, weird. And now I want to (laughs) go. Yeah, I would definitely uh, be interested in going. It seems like it'd be really cool. Even just to, like, not go song. Yeah, just to wander around. Yeah, and see, like, these ghost towns. And, I mean, it sounds like it would suck walking this eight-square-mile island, though, because there are no cars there. But (laughs) maybe I'll do that (laughs) non-pregnant. Who knows? Can you bring, like, a bike on the ferry? Maybe. I don't know. I'll have to look into it. They do, uh, I guess, the ferry company. It's called the Manitou Transit Company. They also offer tours of the island. And I'm not sure if they just, like, loop around the island and tell you spooky stories and, like, the history of the island. That's kind of what it seemed like. Um, But that seems very interesting and probably something, like, I will do. (laughs) So I'm going to have to look into it and figure it out. Yeah, keep me updated. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Yeah, I'm glad we did this one because, like I said, I had never heard of it either. And no, it's only a few hours away from me. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. Yeah. Really interesting. Sweet. Well, we did a shorter, spookier, lighthearted one today. <laughs> love it. We love it. Absolutely. Um,. And I guess if you have nothing else to add, you got some jokes and facts? <laughs> I sure do. Sweet. What do you want first? Uh, let's go fact first. <gasps> Tabasco sauce is the oldest surviving brand of hot sauce. It was actually introduced in 1868 and still remains one of the best-selling condiments in the country. 1868? Mm-hmm. No way. 1868. You fact-checking me? <laughs> yes. Well, I was curious. I'm like, is this... So it's the oldest hot sauce, you said, right? Yeah. Okay. Because I was like, there's no way this is the oldest condiment. No, it just it's like one of the most popular condiments. But honestly, I just looked up when was ketchup invented, and that was 1812. It was really not that long before. No. 
50 year difference. People have been eating hot sauce for like years. 150 years. Which is crazy. Wild. Never would have known. <laughs> See, you learn something every day. <laughs> you learn something new every day here, folks. <laughs> Seriously, though. <laughs> All right. Hit me with the joke. What do you call a noble hot sauce? What? A sriracha. Oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) That one was all right. (laughs) It wasn't that great. I don't I didn't love that one, but it's all right. (laughs) The jokes are slim. Slim Pickens, we're working on it. I've been trying to brainstorm ideas and it's not working, so. (laughs) No, me neither. I've been also (laughs) trying to brainstorm ideas, but none of them are like realistic. I think it would be harder for us, like some of the things. Or just as hard as finding these cheesy jokes. Yeah. And you know, folks, take it easy on us. We both, I will say it again, we both have full time jobs and. Well, I was outside of it, <laughs> so... We try to. We're doing our best. <laughs> Seriously. Well, in the meantime, you can find us on Facebook, Tacos and Tequila Podcast. On Instagram, it's just Tacos and Tequila. We also have a website, tacosandtequilapodcast.com. Links to all our Spotify episodes, but you can find us on all streaming platforms, as well as our sources, cute pictures of us, and all that good stuff. All the good stuff. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, make sure you leave a rating and or review to help us get noticed. It's just cool to see all the things that you guys like. Absolutely agree. And keep in mind, also feel free to shoot us some emails. I was telling Sid, I had checked our email and we got a very nice email from a library assistant at the Willard Library. Uh, She gave us some updates, so we'll have to go into detail about some updates that she gave us, but definitely gave us a listen. And this is why we like to cover smaller stuff that might not as get as much notice out there Um, you know it's it's neat maybe that that'll help some of their visitors or help educate people and I don't know we like hearing that we like case suggestions any of that kind of stuff feel free to shoot us an email tacos and tequila at gmail.com do it do it do it do it (laughs) well I have nothing else to add do you Sid no I think that's it that's all sweet We will talk to you guys next week then. Bye. Bye.